welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us. It's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I've always been impressed by massive feats of strength. I don't know if you're like me. I used to watch on ESPN the World's Strongest Man competition. Anybody used to watch those? And these big, massive people, and they would do these awesome, incredible feats of strength. And so I have a few of these that I want to share with you today. But, but this is going to be audience participation. I need your help, church. We need, we need to kind of get the blood flowing today. So I'm going to say a, a really cool thing, a, a feat of strength that somebody did. And after I say it, I want you to say with me, that's a lot of power. All right, let's practice. Ready? That's a lot of power. Okay, we'll get, the, we'll get the hang of it as we go along. For example, there was a young boy born in London in the 18th century. His name was Topham. At the time, he was considered the strongest man in the world. He was known to have lifted 224 pounds over his head with just his little finger. Church, that's a lot of power, right? Yet his most famous feat was May 28, 1741. He lifted three barrels of water weighing a total of 1,300 pounds. Church, that's a lot of power. Okay, how about the great McCaskill? He was born of Scottish descent. At that time, he was known as the world's largest human being. At the age of 20, he was 7 feet 4 inches tall. But he eventually grew to 7 feet 10 inches tall, weighing 580 pounds. Now, if you're 7'10", that's not actually that much weight, right? His famous feat was he lift a ship's anchor weighing 2,800 pounds up to his chest. Church, that's a lot of power. Yeah, now we're getting the hang of it. There's John Evans. He balanced a small car for 33 seconds on his head. Okay, that's a lot of stupidity. (laughs) He credits his ability to his neck, which is amazing, 24 inches in width. Church, that's a lot of power. There's Louis Cypra. He was born in Quebec, and when he was born, he was weighed 18 pounds. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's talk about his mother for a minute, okay? That's a lot of power. 18-pound baby? Oh, my goodness. His first public display of strength was in Boston when he stunned a crowd by lifting a horse off the ground. Yet his greatest demonstration was when he lifted a platform of 18 men on his back. Church? That's a lot of power. There's Brebart of Poland. He was known to carry a baby elephant on his back while climbing a ladder. Church, that's a lot of power. And now just so the ladies don't get feel left out or, or the or older generation, the world's strongest grandma was from Russia. She was at the age of 76 years old. She could lift a 52-pound dumbbell and twist two-inch steel rods. She said she first discovered her strength. It was just a natural strength she had, never worked out. But when she was 10 years old, she moved a 661-pound container of grain. Okay, church, that's a lot of power. There's a local guy, too. I don't know if you've heard of the name Brian Shaw before. Anybody hear that name? He was the world's strongest man in September of 2011. He was actually a graduate of Black Hill State University here in South Dakota, earning his degree in wellness. When he graduated, he was 6'8", 280. But by 2011, he weighed 420 pounds, ate seven meals a day, and consumed over 8,000 calories. 
okay? So he won the 2011 King of Stones title. If you're not familiar, it's where you move these stones. Each one of these rocks weighs 558 pounds, 558 pound rocks. He moves these rocks and he'd completed the event in record time of 22.36 seconds. Church, say it with me. That's a lot of power. Or is it? What actually is power? Real, authentic, true power. Is it what we just talked about, these incredible feats of strength or incredible feats of stupidity, depending on how you look at it? Is that real power? How about natural disasters? We had a bunch of hurricanes that just hit our east coast, and, and we see tornadoes in here, and we see the mass destruction that they can cause. Is that a lot of power? How about the control and influence we can see over people? Maybe in abusive relationships or demanding people or demanding bosses, maybe. Is that really what power is? Maybe when you think of power, you think of the great military forces of history or even our country and, and how they can come in and they can dominate an entire region and take control of a lot of power. Is that what power is? What is real, true, authentic, lasting power? If you're a guest here today, we want to say welcome. We're glad you're joining us. For those of you watch online, we're glad that you're here. And for our online audience, we have a guy watching today, Jeff Brick. He's watching from North Sioux City. He reached out today and said, hi. Hi, Jeff. We're glad that you're joining us. And if you're watching online, we'd love to hear from you. Call or text us. We just love to say hi to you out there. But we're glad through the power technology you can be in the room. Um, but we've been in a series called The Great I Am. We've been talking about God, and, and just kind of by way of review, if you missed it, you can go to our website, yankton.church. You can catch up on our podcast, too, as well. But we talked about how, in the first week, everything changes. We live in a world that constantly, constantly changes, and we have a decision to make. We can let the ever-changing world change us, or we can let the unchangeable God change us. Because, see, church, God never changes and for me and my house, we're going to let the unchangeable God change me. We're not going to be swept away by the winds of the world. And last week, we talked about names. And we said how names matter. Names are who we are. It's how people address us. It's how we're spoken about. And we actually shared that God has a name. If you missed it, go back and watch it. There is actually a name that God has, and it's a name above every other name. And every person is either trying to build a name for themselves or they're trying to lift up the name above all names, and that's Jesus Christ. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. What are you building your name up for? And so today, we're going to continue that talking about power. Who or what is power in your life? And, and I'm going to give you my definition of power. My definition of power is whatever is holding on to you. Or whatever you're holding on to, that's power. Let, let me give you an example. If you really care about what other people think about you, and you say or do things based on what their response or their reaction is, that's a power in your life. That's something that you've given power and control to because you care more about their opinion than who you are or what God says. Here's another area that we can give power to in our life. I see a lot of people who will get up in the morning and, and check their 401k and see how their stock market's doing. That's not going so well for them right now, but, but that's a power in our life. If we're, we're consumed with retirement and, and one day we can live the life that we want to live, that's the power that's over us, church. Or how about your job? Maybe your job has power over you. Maybe you are consumed by your work and maybe you sacrifice family time for time at work just because that's consumed you or personal time or maybe you don't take care of yourself the way you should because again work is consuming you what power do you give to 
We heard a lot about power last week in Washington, D.C., and the, the balance of power, right? And who's going to control the House? Who's going to control the Senate? And you know what? Jesus is still on the throne, isn't he, though? We talked about that, right? Well, what power are you giving yourself to? What power holds you? Maybe you're holding on to a past hurt. Maybe there's somebody in your life who did or said something to you years ago, and yet that past hurt you're still holding on to, and you've given that power. Because, again, I'm going to contend that real, true, authentic power is what we allow to hold on to us or what we hold on to. But, but I've got some good news, church. You ready for some good news? I've got a suggestion about a power that we can hold on to, or rather that can hold on to us. And it's Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It's going to be on the screen behind me. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful world. Church, everything in the universe came into being by his word. His word is powerful. I would say that's real power. That's authentic power. That's a power that I want to hold on to. So on your information sheet, if you want to turn it over, it's blank on the back of that. I've got some things we want to write you down. There's some notes you can take. And I'm going to give you three demonstration of God's power. Three things that really show the ultimate power in the universe, and that is the great I am that we've been talking about this series. Here's the first one. You might want to write this down. Creation. Creation is a display of God's power in the universe. One of my favorite things to do is to go to the ocean. I've had the privilege to travel to both coasts. I've stood on the Pacific and the Atlantic coast, and I've seen the mighty ocean. This January, I'm actually going to get a chance to go back to Florida, and I just can't wait to stand on the beach and just watch the mighty ocean roar. And you just see how big and vast it is, and you just realize, man, that's amazing, isn't it? I've had the privilege of going to Colorado and standing on top of a 14,000-foot peak in Colorado and see the majesty of all these mountains around us. It's just beautiful. It's a, it's a wonderful display. Highly recommend it if you get a chance to. I'm also a big fan of National Geographic, and they have it on Disney+. Plus. I'm kind of addicted to it. They show these different animals and they, all around the world and how they interact with each other, how they move, how they, how they function as a group. It's just fascinating to me. I can't get enough of that. I love watching about animals. And if you've ever gone out on a clear, crisp fall night in South Dakota when it's all dark and you look up at the sky and you see the millions and millions of stars and the millions and millions of galaxies around the world. It's just an amazing thing, isn't it? And then there's the destructive forces of nature. We talked about the hurricanes. There's tornadoes that we would experience here in South Dakota. There's also volcanoes and earthquakes. Why do I say all that? Because everything that I just named, did you know that the great I am, the God of the universe, holds that in his hand? Church, say it with me, that's a lot of power. <laughs> that's some real, true, authentic power. Look at what Romans 1 says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Church, we hear a lot of times how people all over the world, maybe they're people from different countries, have they haven't heard about God, and what can they do about that? Here's what I would contend. Every single man, woman, and child who's lived has seen the majesty of God throughout creation, haven't they? They've seen the stars, the oceans, and the sky. God's power is on full display throughout all the world, and everyone sees it. But here's the problem. You and I have, when we look at creation as human beings, 
We think somehow we can control creation. Let me help you with where I'm going with this. You don't have to look any further than about three miles up the river here in Yankton, South Dakota. See, about 70 years ago, there's a group of men that got together and said, you know what, we want to control the mighty Missouri River. And we're tired of all the flooding, and we're going to create this system of dams that starts here in Yankton and goes all the way up through North Dakota. And we're going to try to control the Missouri River. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Please don't hear that. It's created a lot of recreational agriculture uses for sure. But then we have events like 2011, don't we? <laughs> where where, where we, we realize we don't really control anything, do we? Or, or a couple years ago, 2019, all of the flooding that happens. What I wonder is if God sometimes sits in heaven. And you, ever, you ever been taking a little child out to the beach and they make a little sandcastle on, on the ground? They're like building it. I wonder if that's how God looks at our dams. <laughs> if he looks at, oh, isn't that cute? You guys made your little, isn't that fun? Oh, look what I can do, right? Why do we do that? Because we think we can control creation, can't we? See, when it comes to creation, human power fails in comparison to God, doesn't it? And if we ever get too arrogant, I think God sends those little messages every once in a while. I say, I'm God, you're not. My power is on display in creation. Here's the second way that God displays his power. You see it throughout creation, but you don't have to look any further than your own reflection in the mirror. See, the human body is an amazing display of God's power. While you're sitting here listening to me, there are sound waves coming from my mouth through this microphone, through that speaker, floating through the air, going into your ear canal, vibrating your eardrum, which is vibrating muscles and bones inside your ear, sending a signal to your brain to hear all of that. And as you know, if any one of those things is just slightly off, just a little bit, you either can't hear it or won't see it at all. Isn't that amazing? While you're sitting here looking at me, your eye is bending the light on back to your optic nerve, to your brain, sending a signal, and you have two eyes, so you're not seeing two different pictures. You're seeing actually one picture in your eye. Isn't that amazing? How visually that can happen. Well, how about your circulatory system? You're sitting here, and you're, as your heart is beating... Right now, blood is going to every cell in your body, and you don't have to tell it to do that. That's a good thing, because some of us are kind of forgetful. Think of how crazy that would be. If you had to tell your heart to beat, right, that would be not such a good thing, right? Our breath, we're breathing in oxygen. We're breathing out carbon dioxide, all of that going through our body. We have the ability, church, I think we fail to think about this sometimes. We have the ability to create another human being. Think of how amazing that is, how amazing a pregnancy is where a body actually grows inside of you. And why do I tell you all that? Because for God to create all of that and hold it together, it's just like snapping his fingers. Not only is he sustaining that in every one of our bodies, every one of us and every person who's ever lived, God is holding that in his little hand. Church, say it with me. That's a lot of power. That, that's real power. Look at what Psalm 139 says. Verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, here's the problem. Just like creation, sometimes as humans we get a little arrogant. And we think, well, I can control my own body. You know, we've had a lot of medical advancements over the last hundred years. And, and again, please hear that. I don't think that's a negative thing. I don't think that's a bad thing that we have these advancements in medical. But sometimes we can get a little arrogant, can't we? 
We can think that we can understand the human brain and the heart and the systems, and, and, and we can put our faith maybe in that. And I just wonder if, if God looks at us and as we grow and learn and develop more, if we think, oh, isn't that cute? I wonder if he looks at it the same way he looks at our little sandcastles we make in the sand, right? Oh, isn't that cute? You guys learned how an ear worked. Good job. That only took you 5,000 years. Yeah. All right. Oh, congratulations. You know how to change a heart. That's pretty amazing. You can't make a heart yet, right? But I can. See, I think that's our problem. We forget how amazing God's power is when it comes to his power. When it comes to creation, when it comes to our human body, God's power is on full display. And I could sit here and I could go on all day and all week and, and talk about all these different situations. And you guys look real excited when I say that. So I just might do that. But, but I'm going to sum it up for you. And I'm going to give you the third demonstration of God's power. And in a sense, this is kind of summing up all of those things. Here's the third way God demonstrates his power. It's through Jesus Christ. That's kind of the sum of everything. Because you see, throughout human history, we're not alone in this. We're not unique in this. Throughout human history, human beings have always tried to be God. We've always tried, no matter what civilization, no matter what era they've been, we've always tried to put ourselves in the place of God because we think we're pretty hot stuff. So you know what God did instead? God said, I'm going to instead come down and become a human being. And that's the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. And that's why I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year because we're celebrating that powerful moment where God became a human being. All this time we've tried to become God, yet God became one of us. And what did he do? When Jesus walked the earth, he calmed the storms, didn't he? He walked on water. He took bread and fish and multiplied it and fed thousands and thousands of people. He demonstrated his power over creation. Church, say it with me. That's a lot of power. And Jesus shown that. How about when it came to the human body? What did Jesus display his power on that? He would heal people from their blindness. He would heal those who couldn't hear. The lame could walk. There was women who were constantly bleeding and they would heal him just by touching his cloak. He would make all of these things happen. Church, that's a lot of power. And if that was enough, that Jesus displayed his power over creation, over the human body, Jesus Christ took the sins of the world and bore them on himself. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. He went to the cross willingly, suffered under human power, even though he was God, and was raised from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father to the glory of him forever and ever and ever. Say it with me, church. That's a lot of power. I'm going to contend that's the ultimate power. Look at what Hebrews 7 says. Unlike other high priests, Jesus did not need to sacrifice day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. See, when it comes to your and my sin, we're helpless, aren't we? We can try over and over again, and that's what the priesthood was. Every time they would sacrifice to make that, but they'd have to do it over and over again. Jesus didn't sin once, did he? He was perfect. He showed us how to live that life, and that way when he sacrificed once for all, that took care of it. But here's the problem. Just like creation, just like our human bodies, sometimes uh, we like to think we can do it without Jesus. We're, if I could just say it this way, we're still trying to be God. 
We try to be good. If I'll, I just good enough. As long as I'm good enough, then, then maybe hopefully when I get to heaven, the scales will weigh out and I can make it in. That's not how it works as a church. Or even worse, we try to be perfect. I want to be perfect. I can't fail at all. If I mess up even one time, oh boy, I'm just awful. We try to be perfect. Or we try to do things to win God's approval, like God's going to be impressed that you show up on Sunday morning. God's not impressed by that, is he? We try to do things to win God's approval. And I wonder, just like creation, just like our human bodies, if we're building those little sandcastles and saying, wow, we're trying to have some sort of control and seeing that. But I'm just going to tell you something, church. God's not impressed by that. God doesn't think that's cute. That's the ultimate rejection of our Lord. Let me help you with what I'm saying. I've heard it said many times where people say, I can't believe God sends people to hell. Everybody look right here. God doesn't send anybody to hell. That's not his nature. God said, listen, you've tried to be God all the time. You can't do it. I, God, became a human and made a way so you could have a way to do that. If you want to continue to try to do it yourself, God will look at you and say, thy will be done. He will not force himself on any single person. He will, only way we can do it is to humble ourselves and come before God and say, listen, God, I surrender to your power. We say to God, thy will be done. Or God says to us and looks at us and says, thy will be done. You try to do it on your own. You know what I want to try to do? I want to try to be in God's power, not mine. Because <laughs> I've tried it my way, and it hasn't worked very well. Now, I can understand if there's a little pushback, and you say, Pastor, hold on just a second. I'm not sure. If you're feeling that way, and if you've ever felt this thing where you said, okay, can, I, I want to believe that, but can God really do that? Pastor, in my situation, can God really provide for that? You don't know what my bank account looks like right now. Pastor, I don't know that God can provide that. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know, I don't know if God can forgive me from that. And we'll try to do what I've done in the past. We try to substitute things in the place of God. We try to substitute relationships. We try to substitute approval. We try to substitute wealth. We try to get control. We try to build our own little sandcastle so we can feel like we have some sort of control over the world. And yet God is just saying, wait, just let me be the power to do that. See, real power is who you give control to or who has control over you. That's what real power is. And so if you're here today, you're watching online, and you've ever doubted God's power for you, I just want to tell you one really awesome thing. You ready for this, church? You're in good company. Because <laughs> there's a lot of people who have doubted God's power. So in your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. There's also a free app available on version. You can download it right now. But in Matthew chapter 11, there's a guy by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a significant part of Jesus Christ. For those of you in our New Testament class, you've heard about John the Baptist. But not only was he a close relative of Jesus... John the Baptist was a prophet that was preparing the way for the Messiah that Jesus would come. And at this point in the story of Jesus' life, John the Baptist had been arrested. So Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to start in the second verse. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now, just to unpack this for you, this is John, the guy who was the prophet for the Messiah, right? One of the greatest people that's ever lived. And what John's saying here, we can really appreciate, can't we? John is saying, listen, I'm about to die for my belief in you, Jesus. I want to be certain. 
I want to be sure that the power that I hold on to is going to hold on to me. And church, I would contend that's our question too, isn't it? Can we be sure? Are, are we positive that this power can do it? And look at what Jesus says. How did Jesus respond? Verse 4. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying to John, listen, John, look at the power that you've seen. Look at all the people that have been healed. Look at the thousands that have been fed by that. Look at the authority that I have, John. You can rest on the fact that you know I am the great I am because of the power that has been displayed that you have seen. Church, can I just tell you something? Can I report what I've seen? I've seen God do some tremendous powers, even to this day. I have seen marriages put back together again that were on the brink of destruction. I've seen people be healed from diseases that were just life-threatening and hurting. I've seen, and this is one of my favorite stories, Man, when, this is early when we were here in Yankton. I got a phone call. There was a family that were driving down the highway, and they rolled their car going 50 miles an hour, and they're up in the emergency room. Those are the kind of calls as a pastor you really don't like to get, but you're so grateful that they call you. And I remember going to the emergency room, praying all the way, not knowing what I was going to walk into in that moment. And I remember walking into the door, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. I walk into the door of the emergency room, and off to the side there's a room, and all the kids are in that room, and they're watching TV, and I can see the glow of their faces. I can still see it to this day. I walked in that room. Not one of those kids was hurt. One of them had a bloody lip. One of them broke their glasses. And they saw me, and they came up, and they ran, and they hugged me. And one of the little girls said to me, Pastor, while our car was rolling, I was praying that Jesus would protect us. I've seen that happen, church. That's what my God can do. Don't tell me that Jesus' miracles are from the first century. It can happen today. Church, that's a lot of power. So here's what I want to ask you, and this is the fundamental question we've been talking about this whole year, this whole series. I would contend for your entire life, what power are you holding on to? Every single one of us is holding on to a power or has a power that's holding on to us. Which one is it? And so just to contrast these two, you can hold on to human power if you'd like to. That is an option for you to do. What that might look like is you might say, we need to elect the right person. If we can elect the right person, then we'll have the right party in power, then everything will be okay. You can choose that if you want to. And I'm not afraid to say this, and I'm going to go ahead and speak up against this. We had a big announcement this week about somebody running for president. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. If your hope is the fact that Donald Trump is going to be elected president of the United States, I seriously doubt your human power. And just to keep it fair and just to keep it balanced, if your hope, because there's a whole set of people that says, we got to do everything to keep Donald Trump from being president, I seriously doubt your human power. Because you're taking a power that doesn't belong to human beings that you're putting in those hands. Church, it doesn't matter if we like Jesus Christ to the White House. It's not going to change this country until my heart changes. What power are you truly holding on to? See, if you want to hold on to human power, you will build up strong defenses. 
And I'm not just talking about our military. I love our men and women in, in uniform. I love our country. I'm so thankful for their service. But there's a fear that somehow if we build up our military, we won't, won't be afraid of China or Russia or North Korea. And we have a lot of fear about that. Church, you're building a sandcastle. That's a human power. And if you think the United States of America is too big to fall, I got news for you. It's not. You're trusting in a human power. And if you're trusting in a human power, you're going to keep people at arm's length. You're never going to be your real authentic self. You're always going to keep those defenses up around them. So we don't just build defenses of our country. We build defenses around our lives, right? And we say, oh, I don't want to get too close to anybody because I don't want to get hurt. And maybe even sometimes you say things that aren't true or that you don't really mean because you don't really want people to know exactly what's going on inside your heart. Church, you're trusting in human power. You're building a sandcastle. If you trust in human power, you're thinking, I can do it myself. I don't need anyone's help. I'm just fine, just right where I am, and I don't need anyone's help. Church, you're trusting in human power. If you choose to trust in human power, I want to let you know it comes with a warning. And here's the warning. You're going to be sorely disappointed. If you're trusting in a human power, you are going to live your life in fear of every breaking news story. If you're trusting in a human power, you are going to see enemies everywhere you look, in your family, at your job, across the aisle. You're trusting in a human power. You'll see enemies everywhere. If you're trusting in a human power, you will be vulnerable to attack and you will do everything you can to prevent anyone from ever hurting you in any way. And if you're holding on to a human power, death will be the most scary thing you'll face. And you will be fearful of death and you will do everything you can to try to avoid death. So which power are you holding on to? You holding on to human power? Or... Are you holding on to God's power? See, let, let, me, let me paint a picture for you what it's like to hold on to God's power. See, when you hold on to God's power, there's no election that's needed because Jesus is already king of kings and lord of lords. <laughs> he already won the victory, so we just rest in his kingdom. Do I think you should vote? Do I think you should be active in politics? Absolutely. It's your right as an American. You should do that. Just don't freak out about it. I see too many people who say they're followers of Jesus Christ freaking out. Stop it. Jesus is king and king. Trust in his power. See, when you trust in God's power, you will lower your defenses. And you will be open to other people because what could man possibly do to you? What can I fear man who can kill the body and then do mo nothing more? Shouldn't I rather fear God who can kill the soul? See, that's the power that we're trusting on to. See, what power are you holding on to? When you hold on to God's power, there's nothing that human beings can possibly do to you. See, I have a fear in this country, too. We talk about martyrs um, in, in the faith. Martyrs have been a part of the Christianity since the beginning of Christian. People who have died for their faith in Jesus Christ. And fortunately, we live in a country where that's not an option. That can change. And here's my fear. I have a fear that if someday a persecution against the church breaks down in the United States of America, and we start seeing people die for their faith in Jesus Christ, that the church is going to go, oh, no, isn't that terrible? Really? I get to guy, I get to go home and be with Jesus. That's a bad day, <laughs> okay? Now, please hear this. I don't have a death wish, okay? I love my family. I love my kids. I'd like to see them grow up. I, I, I get that. But what I'm just saying is if something were to happen to me as your pastor, because guess who will come after first? Me. 
Okay? If something were to happen to me as, my, as your pastor, if I were to die for my faith, here's what I'd want you to do as a church. I want you to love and take care of my family because I wouldn't be able to do that. But I want you to celebrate because I'm with Jesus in heaven. See the problem with that? Which power are you trusting into? I'm trusting in God's power. I don't fear death. I don't fear what man can do to me. I trust in God's power. See, when you trust in God's power, you will form deep and meaningful, impactful relationships. You won't care what other people are posting on their social media about you or what they're gossiping about you or what they're saying behind your back because it has no power in your life because you know who you are in Christ. Now, if there's a sin in your life you need to confess, you probably need to take care of that, right? Because God, God hates sin. You need to confess that. You need to get that out there. But at the end of the day, what people say about me doesn't matter because I know who I am in Christ. See, if you're trusting in God's power, you'll fully rely on his power for everything. When we are weak, you know what the Bible says? He is strong. You won't look at your checkbook and make decisions based on what that number says. You'll instead look to the king who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust in you for what you're going to provide. So which power are you holding on to? Are you holding on to human power? Or are you holding on to God's power? See, if you hold on to God's power, as we talked about human power, this comes with a warning too. If you hold on to God's power, you will be full of peace that passes all understanding. If you hold on to God's power, you will experience a joy that can't be felt by circumstances or emotions. It'll be an internal thing that will never go away. If you hold on to God's power, you will have love, deep, meaningful love, even for your enemies. Because that's what Jesus said. If you hold on to God's power, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And I think that verse has been taken out of context so many times, but again, the heart of the matter is the same. What can man do to me? Kill me? I get to go home and be with Jesus. I don't want afraid of death. Because see, when you hold on to God's power and you understand the power that he has, you understand that death isn't the end of anything. Death is the beginning of our new life with Christ. So church, which power are you holding on to? Romans 10, verse 11. This is going to be on the screen behind me. I want us to read this verse out loud together because I want to claim this promise of God. Romans 10, 11. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone. You know what anyone means? It means anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. When you trust in God's power, you will never be put to shame. You know the great I am, the one who put every star in the sky, knows it by name and holds it in his hand. You know the God that says to the ocean, right here is where your wave is going to stop and no further is it going to come. You know the God who knows every single bird when they fall from the sky and sees it when it falls from their nest. How much more does he care about you and I, church? You know the God that functions every function in your body, respiratory, circulatory, visual, auditory system, completely holds it in place and knows it by name? created it, designed it better than anything man could ever create? You know the God that has victory over death and the grave and sin forever? The great I am, church? Let's say it one last time. That's a lot of power. That's the power that I'm going to be trusting in with my life. And his one desire, that great I am and all that power, is that you would do the same that you would fully surrender your life to his power and not build little sandcastles of human power. You would trust in him 
the great I am. Let's pray. Lord, when we look at our world, it's very easy to be trapped in fear. It's very easy to be distracted by what's going on around us. It's very easy to become frustrated and angry by people who care more about themselves than they do about other people. God, it breaks our heart to see that children suffer. They don't get their basic needs met. And more importantly, the adults that are supposed to care for them don't do that, God. All those things just break our heart. But God, we know that they break your heart even more. God, I thank you that you are the ultimate power in the universe. You didn't just put everything into place and then step away and say, okay, guys, I'll see you when it's over. You care deeply about every single man, woman, and child and who we trust in. And God, forgive us when we build our little sandcastles. We do it in creation all the time. We do it in the human body every time. And God, we do it to your son. Where we try to build our little defenses and our little, our little kingdoms around here, God, and, and to you it's just a little tiny sandcastle when compares to your great glory. God, forgive us when we do that. Expose it in our lives and then give us the courage, God, to stand on your rock. And Jesus, I don't want to say it with any disrespect because there are brothers and sisters in Christ today who are meeting in churches that have the threat that at any point the door could knock and they could be killed for their faith, God. That's a very real thing in our world today, and you see that, Lord. But it breaks my heart in this country when we think that church is an optional, and if we have something else better going on, we're going to choose that instead. I wonder what that does to your heart. God, forgive us in this country when we take advantage of your power and we take it for granted, Lord, how quickly that can go away. And God, I thank you so much that I get to pastor a church of people who truly understand your power. God, we've seen you do mighty things in this church. I could stand up here all afternoon and share all the cool things that we've seen you do over the last five years. But God, in so many ways, I believe you're just getting started. I believe we haven't even scratched the surface yet in our community for the power that you can display that people will sit up and take notice that there's no other way. We're not lifting up the name of Jeff Todd. We're not lifting up the name of Celebrate Church. We're lifting up the name above every name, the greatest power in the universe that can change lives, that can heal marriages, that can heal physical bodies, that can restore relationships, and ultimately will be forever with you in heaven. We thank you, Jesus, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can also check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless.